Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. To begin, two quick snapshots of practice. An 11-year-old is seated before his 83-year-old cello teacher. A child is sight-reading a passage of music. He tries once, then again, and then a third time, and he just can't get it right. Grimacing, frustrated, he lays down his bow. The elderly teacher leans over and whispers with a smile in his voice, What? You've been practicing it for three minutes and you still can't play it? A woman is heading out on her first whitewater rafting trip. The guide stands in the aisle of the bus giving the safety talk. If you fall out of the boat, she says, pull up your feet so you don't get snared by the rocks on the bottom. Think toes to nose. Then look for the boat. Reach for an oar or a rope. She continues with the talk, punctuating it frequently with toes to nose. Look for the boat. Standing on the beach at the launch site with the river behind her, she asks, what do you do if you fall out of the boat? And the woman thinks, if I have to hear toes to nose, look for the boat one more time, I am going to lose my mind. A few miles downstream, the raft surges into class five rapids. The woman feels herself vanishing into the wall of water that rose up at the stern, disappearing into a black hole. Roiling about under the churning water, there is no up, no down. There had never been a boat. There is no anywhere. From the void, the words surface. Toes to nose. She pulls herself into a ball. Air, sounds, look for the boat. Did that come from my head or was that someone calling? Out of the swirling chaos, an oar appears. And then suddenly she is back in the raft, traveling breakneck through a spew of foam. These days, that woman finds herself using the metaphor of being out of the boat for any situation in which we can't necessarily think our way back in. We have to rely on something that has been deeply established way in advance, she says, a practice, toes to nose, look for the boat. Whatever gets you back on the water instead of under it, reoriented to the next possibility. This is the power of practice. This morning I want to share a little something about the practice of possibility. What would it mean to say in our lives, I am going to cast my lot with the possible? 
What would it mean to be proffered a maybe and lean into yes? I'm told this story is true. Early in the last century, a shoe factory sent two marketing scouts to a region of Africa to study the prospects of expanding their business. One sent back a dismal telegram saying, situation hopeless, stop. No one wears shoes. The other wrote back triumphantly, glorious business opportunity, stop. They have no shoes. This is what it means to practice possibility. The painter Henry Henschey founded the Cape School of Art, a summer school for the study of color and a unique use of the palette knife, eventually establishing what is now known as the Provincetown style. I once asked my parishioner, Henschey's student Hilda Neely, to tell me about the process of constructing her impressionist images. She looked at me utterly baffled and replied, Kim, that's what I see. I just paint what I see. In the same vein, someone once recognized Pablo Picasso on a train and asked him why he didn't paint people the way they really are. Can you imagine? Picasso had no idea what he was talking about. The man took out his wallet and showed him a photo of his wife. Picasso responded, isn't she rather small and flat? <laughs> Artists practice possibility. Michelangelo believed that a beautiful statue lived inside every block of stone. His work, he said, was to chip away at the extraneous debris. And do you know Liesl Mueller's Monet Refuses the Operation? This is a beautiful poem. Here you go. Doctor, you say there are no halos around the streetlights in Paris, and what I see is an aberration caused by old age and affliction? I tell you, it has taken me all my life to arrive at the vision of gas lamps as angels, to soften the blur and finally banish the edges you regret I don't see, to learn that the line I called the horizon does not exist, and sky and water so long apart are the same state of being. Fifty-four years before I could see Rouen Cathedral is built of parallel shafts of sun, and now you want to restore my youthful errors, fixed notions of top and bottom, the illusion of three-dymensional space, wisteria separate from the bridge it covers? What can I say to convince you the houses of parliament dissolve night after night to become the fluid dream of the Thames? I will not return to a universe of objects that don't know each other, as if islands were not the lost children of one great continent.
The world is flux, and light becomes what it touches, becomes water, lilies on water, above and below water becomes lilac and mauve and yellow and white and cerulean lamps. Small fists passing sunlight so quickly to one another that it would take long streaming hair inside my brush to catch it, to paint the speed of life. Our weighted shapes, these verticals, burn to mix with air and change our bones, skin, clothes, to gases. Doctor, if you could only see how heaven pulls earth into its arms and how infinitely the heart expands to claim this world, blue vapor without end. Yes, the artists have the corner on this perspective. But all of us can practice seeing this way, practice remembering our deep interconnectedness, asking ourselves, what assumptions am I making that are limiting what I see? When we feel stuck in problem solving, we can practice possibility. I literally say to myself, Kim, get out of the box. Get out of the box. What possibility lies outside the box in your life? When the legendary Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall retired, he was asked about his proudest accomplishment. His proudest accomplishment, his answer, I did the best with what I had. Can you imagine? All that bending the long arc of the moral universe toward justice, yet his pride was not in his successes, but in trying, trying his best. Can we aspire to practice that possibility? not focused on traditional markers of accomplishment, but on bringing the best we can to what life brings, whatever life brings. You know that one of my go-to phrases is, pay attention. When our senses are open, when our hearts and minds and hands are open, so much is possible. Ben Zander, the storied conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra, tells this story. From 1926 to 1939, Eugene Lenner played the viola for the great Kolisch Quartet in Vienna. When he came to America, he coached the Juilliard String Quartet and performed for 39 years with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. He is the only player ever to be invited to join without an audition by the legendary conductor, Sergei Kusevitsky. Many of Boston's finest musicians consider Leonard a mentor. When Leonard visited Ben Zander's class at the New England Conservatory, Ben asked him, 
How can you bear to play under conductors who know so much less than you do? And this was Leonard's reply. One year, during my very first year playing with the BSO, Kusevitsky was conducting a Bach piece and having a terrible time getting the results that he wanted. Fortunately, the great French conductor, Nadia Boulanger, was in town and happened to be sitting in on the rehearsal. Kusevitsky seized the opportunity to extricate himself from the awkward and embarrassing situation and called out to her, Nadia, please, will you come up here and conduct? I want to go to the back of the hall to see how it sounds. <laughs> Mademoiselle Boulanger stepped up, spoke briefly to the orchestra, and conducted the musicians through the passage flawlessly. Leonard continued, ever since then, in every rehearsal, I've been waiting for the conductor to say, Leonard, you come up here and conduct. I want to go to the back of the hall and hear how it sounds. It is now 43 years since this happened, he says, and it is less and less likely that I'll be asked. But in the meantime, I haven't had a single dull moment in rehearsal as I sit wondering, what would I say to the orchestra should I suddenly be called on to lead? This is how we stay alive to possibility. Pay attention. Don't be dissuaded from the mystery and quirkiness and shiny waiting for us to reveal it from beneath the doll. Here's one final story about possibility. It's an old story I've called before. It's called The Rabbi's Gift. A monastery in Europe had fallen on hard times. It was part of a once great Christian order, but as the result of religious persecution in the 17th and 18th century, the order was slowly becoming extinct. There were only five remaining monks living in the mother house, the abbot and four brothers, all of them over 70 years old. In the woods surrounding the monastery, there was a little hut the rabbi from the nearby town used for a retreat. One day, the abbot set out to visit his friend and ask for advice about how he might save his beloved faith tradition. The rabbi welcomed him. I know how it is, he commiserated wholeheartedly. The spirit has gone out of the people Almost no one comes to shul anymore. Together, they wept a little. They read parts of the Torah, and they spoke of deep things. When it came time for the abbot to return home, the two men embraced. I'm sorry, I have no advice for you, said the rabbi. I can only tell you this. The Messiah is among you. The abbot pondered his friend's words and back at the monastery shared them with his brothers. Do you suppose the abbot is the Messiah, they wondered? Certainly he has led us for so long. Or is it Brother Thomas? He's a holy man. 
What of Brother Elrod? So crotchety, but then again, very wise. And so on. And of course, the rabbi didn't mean me. But suppose he did. As the old monks deeply considered the news that the Holy One was among them, they began treating one another with extraordinary respect on the off chance they were interacting with the Messiah. And just in case each monk himself might be the Messiah, each began to treat himself with extraordinary respect. The forest surrounding the monastery was beautiful, and townspeople occasionally came to picnic there and to wander the old paths that led to the dilapidated chapel. The deep regard in which each of the monks held the others began to permeate the atmosphere. And enchanted people came to visit more frequently, bringing neighbors and friends. Some spoke with the monks. Some began rebuilding the chapel. Eventually, some decided to join the order. And after not too many years, the monastery became a thriving order once again, thanks to the rabbi's gift, thanks to the practice of possibility. Beloved spiritual companions, what would it mean in our lives to say, I am going to cast my lot with the possible, to be proffered a maybe and lean in to yes? Look for the boat. Pay attention. Open hearts open minds, open hands, we will see how heaven pulls the earth into its arms and how infinitely the heart expands to claim this world. May we practice possibility. Amen. Now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste. I bow to the divine in you. From Donna Markova, I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins.
when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.